The title of today's sermon, the title of today's sermon is, I Fought the Law and the Law Won. Is there anyone here who remembers when that was a song? Okay, all right. I thought I was the only old person here. All right. So uh, there was a group called the Crickets, and this song was on their first album after their lead singer, Buddy Holly, died in a tragic accident. Um, Young folks here, if you don't know who Buddy Holly is, he sang some famous songs, so you can Google them and find them out, or you can just ask Peggy Sue. All right, continuing. Um, so they wrote it in 1960, and a few years later, uh, a group called the uh, Bobby Fuller Four, they did it in 66, and that's the version you, some of you have heard on the radio so often. And then another group called The Clash recovered it in 1978. And then a punk rock group recovered it in 1987. Thus ends your rock and roll history lesson for today. But anyhow, this song immediately popped into my mind as I was doing my daily quiet time. I'm reading through the Bible chronologically, and I came to Romans 13. This song popped in my mind, but more so the Holy Spirit was working in my heart because this chapter is all about submitting to civil authorities. And, um, and I, I struggle with that. And I know you look at me and you think, oh, he's a straight-laced old guy, and, and uh, he's used to doing what he's told, but, but, I, but I, I don't. I don't. I struggle with being what I'm told. And, and I have a short story to uh, illustrate that. A, a few weeks ago, uh, it was a Saturday in April, and I put my uh, kayak in my truck, and I drove to Little Buffalo State Park. Anybody been there? Beautiful park, beautiful lake. And I'm going to kayak around the lake. So I had, that's my kayak there, use your imagination. I had my uh, personal flotation device, and I had my paddles. And uh, Sam, settle down. So, uh, so I get there. You drive through the beautiful little uh, town of Newport on the way. It's a beautiful town. And you get to the lake, and as soon as I got there at the dock, there were some small signs which showed some guy, a stick figure, falling out of a kayak like that and wearing something. I don't know. I didn't pay any. I chose not to pay any attention to it. And I got in my kayak, and I pushed away from the pier. And that first stroke, man, that's the best. You just glide. And it's so peaceful, and I can just, I can just feel myself relaxing. And and so I'm just going around the lake, and I, I'm in my happy place. I see turtles. I see fish. I see uh, egrets. I see great blue herons. And it's just nice. And I'm only like 15 feet from shore. I do the perimeter of the whole lake. It's just a good arm workout. So I get all the way down to the other end of the lake, and, man, there are more fishermen than normal. I mean, a lot more. And then it dawns on Tom that it's the first day of trout season. And with the first day of trout season come a whole lot of fishers, fishermen, but also comes the Pennsylvania Game Commission. And so I'm padding along, and I look over, and I see three guys in green uniforms, and they're all looking at me. And immediately I went, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. <laughs> and I'm, I felt like a Nemo, just keep paddling, just keep paddling. And then I say, oh, sir, sir, can you come over here? So I paddle over into the bushes, and I reach over, and I grab a hold of some weeds. And he looks at it, and he sees that I have my registration on my kayak. In fact, I was two years ahead, so I'm good there. 
He can see that I'm sober, which evidently is a rarity with a lot of people they pull over. No offense to any boat owners out there. Um, and then he says to me, do you have your uh, flotation? And I said, yes, sir. I got my personal flotation device right here. It's the one the guy sold me in the store. I've been using it for two or three years. It's also comfortable to my back. It's right here. And he says, that's the wrong one. Because what the sign said was that during the months of November through April, those are cold water months. And during cold water months, you have to have a U.S. Coast Guard approved type 3 life vest with <laughs> with a whistle. And uh, I said, well, sir, I, I, I don't have that with me. And he said, well, I, I can't continue to let you paddle on the lake. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, am I going to have to drag my boat out and drag it all the way back to my truck? And finally, he says, we will lend you one of ours. Uh, that's very nice. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And when I'm done, I'll put it right back in that box where you got it from. And then he asked me if I have my driver's license. And I said, no, sir, it's back in the truck. And then he takes out a little tiny scrap of paper and says, what's your name and address? Now, if I had been thinking, I would have said, my name's Jay Minnick, and I live at 123 Firehouse Road. <laughs> but I wasn't thinking, nor would I do that. And I gave him my complete name and address. And he said, uh, I thought they were just, he needed that in case I didn't return their precious vest. Which, by the way, was not this nice blue one here. It was one of those orange ones from the 1950s. And I had it around my neck like this. And he says, it's fully adjustable. And I said, okay, if you say so. But anyhow. Um, and so he took my name and address. And then he told me, we're going to have to issue you a citation for not having the proper vest. And I'm thinking, man, I am a law-abiding citizen. Just give me a, a, a warning, and I promise I will buy one on the way home. Um, but uh, uh, I fought the law, and the law won. So he, he took my name and address, and I continued to remain polite because that's what, that's what you do. And I even said, have a nice day, as I paddled away from the shore with my orange thing around my neck. And as I'm going paddling back to my truck, I'm thinking, oh, by the way, the fine, he said, would be $75. He said, now that's the minimum we can charge. And then he said, I could charge you more for not having a whistle. As if he was doing me a favor. Okay, I'm showing some attitude there. I'm sorry. So, um, uh, and then he said, with court costs, it could get up to $135. And I went, oh my goodness. So as I'm telling him to have a good day and I'm paddling away, I'm thinking, I just rented this orange thing around my neck for $135 to get back to my truck. So I got back to my truck, and I, and I returned it. And as I'm paddling, I'm starting to lose a, a little bit of joy. Um, so I got home and told Debbie about it. And uh, what, what bothered me, folks, wasn't the money. It wasn't that, you know, what started out as a great day was going downhill. I just didn't like being told what to do, especially for a rule that I thought was dumb. So I got home, and uh, three weeks went by, and nothing happened. And I thought, you know what? Because I was polite and civil, he decided, and I returned their life jacket, he decided to just let it go. 
And then I was doing a job with uh, Dan Long, and, and we just do it for the Lord, but sometimes people insist you take a little bit of money. So they insisted we take this. I got home and showed it to my wife, and she said, well, easy come, easy go. Because in the mail that day <laughs> came a citation from the town of Newport. It looked like something from the Supreme Court. The, the town of Newport versus Thomas M. Toon, and it was $135. So, I fought the law, and the law won. Listen, this chapter tells us how we should respond to civil authorities. Because my little silly example aside, I think all of us struggle with that. And when, I'm not just talking about the government, all right? I'm talking about anybody in authority. Parents, uh, teachers, a worker to their boss. Any one of us to our local, uh, state, or federal governments. We must obey them, but there's a way. We must obey them, and a reason we should obey them. So, we're going to look at Romans 13, okay? So, if you're physically able, grab your Bible, tablet. You may either re, uh, follow along with me as I read the screen, or you may go to Romans 13 in your Bible, or you can use the Blue Bible, page 1,127. But again, let, if you're physically able, let's stand in honor of God's Word and follow along with me as I read from the screen. Romans 13, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not sin, do not covet. And whatever other commandment they may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this. Understand the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Let's pray. Dear Lord, 
for these next few minutes. Please help us to put distractions out of our mind. Help us, God, to focus on you. And uh, we all know we struggle when we're being told what to do. But God, there's a way and a reason we need to do it to honor you. May we put it into practice every day for your glory and honor. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So let's look at the context of what's going on here. When Paul wrote this letter, he's writing to to Jewish believers who are living in the heart of the Roman Empire. In verse 1, he said, everyone needs to submit, right? Not just the kids, not just the women, not just the men. You all need to submit, and here's why, folks. At this point, when this was written, Christianity was just, the Romans considered a, a small Jewish sect or section, and it was tolerated. The persecutions against the Christians had not yet started, but guess what? They were coming, and they were coming big time. It wouldn't be long after this was written where the Romans would be punishing them with jailings and burnings and starvation and feeding them to lions, and it was coming. So Paul's message to these messengers is, this is what you need to do to stay alive and still honor God. For us today, the message is a little bit different. I don't think any of you are being physically persecuted for your faith in 2021 here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So the message for us is, this is in Romans 13, is this is what we need to do to honor the civil authorities without dishonoring God. All right, how to honor them without dishonoring God. And we're going to look at four reasons to obey civil authorities. And I borrowed some of this framework from an outline by a Bible commentator named Warren Wearsby. And we're going to look at four reasons we're going to do something for the sake of something. S-A-K-E, for the sake of something. Um, You know, some of our musicians have these in-ear earbuds for the sake of the quality of music going out to the live stream. We put up these railings for the sake of folks who might need help. I'm not going to talk for an hour for the sake of those downstairs with the kids, all right? So that's, that's how the framework that we're looking at. So um, if you have an outline, it looks like this. If not, there's more in the back. I encourage you to use these fill-ins. And let's go ahead and look at the first one. Your first fill-in for obeying civil authority is for wrath's sake. Now, wrath is a word we don't use much today. It means punishment. It means punishment. Now, again, folks, when I say civil authorities, we're thinking about all authority figures, okay? Parents, teachers, bosses, government, etc. And verse 1 clearly said that we just read that God established these authorities. God established the governments of the world and he put them there for a purpose. Now, some of you might be yeah, but people because I'm one too. And you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know my teacher. You don't know my boss. You don't know my local government. You don't know what... That's not what Paul's talking about right now. The point of all this is Paul is not talking about some uh, tyrannical, unjust government that punishes good deeds and glorifies evil. The point here is just that the authority is given to those in leadership. It originally came from God. And so verses 1 through 4 make it clear that if you resist civil law, it means you're inviting yourself to punishment. 
So, God gave leaders the right to rule. Why did He do that? Because of my sinful human nature and because of your sinful human nature. No offense, folks, but none of you, including me, can be trusted to do the right thing on our own. And I know some of you might be sitting there saying, well, if I was in charge, everything would be great. And I'd make sure everything operated the way it should. And you wouldn't. In time, you would slant things and do things for your own favor because of your sinful human nature. God knew that we needed people over us. Because when we don't have people over us, we end up like the folks in the book of Judges, right? Do you remember that famous line repeated over and over and over again in the book of Judges? Everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. Now, if the civil authority law or rule directly conflicts with God's law, then of course we put God first. And we'll talk a little bit about that more later. But if what they're telling us to do does not directly conflict with God's law, we have to obey it, even if you don't like the person who's telling you to do it, whether it's a parent that you don't like at that moment or a teacher or a boss or a governing authority. One of the greatest lessons I learned in the military was that even if you can't respect the person, you still must respect the position. That, that really helped me a lot because when I was a young seaman, uh, well, I wasn't that small. When I was a young seaman, uh, I worked for some really evil chiefs, uh, at least from my perspective and from God's perspective. But I learned to be respectful, not because of them, but because of the position they earned and the position that they had attained. So there's our first reason, guys. The reason that we should obey civil authorities is so we don't get in trouble. Big deal. That's a pretty low bar, right? Even a child will behave so they don't get a timeout. Even a teenager will behave so they don't lose their phone. Even an employee will behave so they don't lose pay. Or a student so they don't get a bad grade. Or uh, an older person will behave so they don't damage their legacy or family reputation. You know, even the unsaved people, even people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, can obey so they don't get in trouble. As Christians, someone who has asked Jesus into their heart as their Lord and Savior, we should have a higher level of motivation. So let's look at number two. Number two, the second reason to obey civil authorities is for consciousness' sake. That's a tough word to spell. Do you know that? Conscious? Did any of you learn it like I did? Conscience? For the Christian, you can't just obey civil authorities to avoid punishment. You need to have that desire, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you that gives you the presence to do the right thing. To do the right thing. Again, obviously if the law directly confronts against God's law, then of course you choose to honor God. And, and we learn about that in Acts 5. But if the law is not directly against God's law, you have to obey it even if, and this is where all your rationalization comes into play. This is where mine came into play. Because when I thought back of it, you know, they did have a sign at the boat dock. And it, it, it wasn't huge, but I saw it and I thought, well, that's dumb. You know, I'm 15 feet from shore. I know how to swim. This one's more comfortable. I've never used that before. Da, 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 da. This is rationalization. So if the civil authority law does not directly confront God, you must obey it even if it is inconvenient 
even if it's against your preferences, and even if you're, in your humble opinion, it is stupid. You still have to obey it to ha maintain a good conscience. Many, 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 many Christians have been tested in this during the whole pandemic and COVID thing with regards to mask and vaccination. Well, vaccinations weren't required, but mask and things like that. And, and many of us were tested. And, and we could just ignore it, but did we maintain good conscience doing that? That's something for you to think about between you and God. Now, God, being as smart as he is, as wise as he is, he knew what area would cause us, the, the, our conscience, to have the most consternation, and that is money. So that's why in verses 6 and 7, he talked about taxes and just pay them what they're owed. To, th this isn't spiritual, but to Tom, it's ironic. Folks who want great roads and bridges but don't want to pay any taxes. It's ironic to Tom, folks who want, you know, East Shore Baptist Church, they really should do more of this ministry, and they really should do more of that ministry. And when I get to church on Sunday, they better have that air conditioner on. But they don't give any money towards ministries or the function of the building. It's, I just find that a little ironic. Now, when it talks about giving your taxes, it's not saying foolishly give more than you should. It's just giving them what is owed, but don't scheme and look for loopholes to get out of giving them their due, whoever them is. The best example of this, I think, is when the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus using the subject of money. And boy, they thought they had him nailed. Let's look at these verses. This is from Mark 12. Mark 12. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and, how do you say that, folks? Herodians, to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't, this is false flattery, folks. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? And they're licking their chops because they think they got him. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. They brought the coin. And he asked them, whose portrait is on this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. That's a biblical mic drop right there, folks. Just, just cut them off at the knees and their trickery. So let's think about it. Let's repeat. Uh, obey civil authority for wrath's sake, for conscience sake. Now let's move up that spiritual ladder of motivation one more step. And let's look at number three. We should obey civil authority for love's sake. For love's sake. I want to reread to you uh, verses 8 through 10. Let, let no doubt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I bet many of you are thinking right now, you know, this echoes the verse we read 
earlier when we did our offertory from John 13, 34, and 35 about the importance of putting on the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at those verses one more time. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As believers, we know we don't live under the Old Testament law. We live under grace. So if we just practice loving relationships within our family, within our schools, within our jobs, even towards our governments, how much better this world would be. I'm going to throw in another rock and roll reference. Sam Cooke, 1960. What a wonderful world this would be. Christian love conquers all. Christian love conquers all. So, as believers, our motivation for obeying civil authorities um, is because of the love of Christ in our hearts. See how we went from don't get in trouble, do the right thing, to love. And now let's look at the very top rung in that ladder of motivation, reason number four, for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. We want to escape wrath. We want to have good conscience. We want to have love. But the highest step on the moral ladder of motivation, whether it's towards our parents, our teachers, our bosses, or the government, is because of our devotion to Jesus Christ. I'm going to do this, even though I hate this, even though I think this is dumb, even I'm going to do this because of my devotion to Jesus Christ. Now, when we read those verses in verses 11 and 12, the early church understood that with the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that ushered in the last days, what today we call end times. And that each day that goes past, we are closer to being reunited with the Lord. And so the message in that, and the, towards the end of Romans 13 is, until then, you need to listen to those who are in charge down here on earth. And verse 13, he says, stop giving in to your sexual desires and your addictions, right? That is just making you look worse in the eyes of the civil authorities. And then in verse 14, and I'm paraphrasing here, Jesus basically said to them, would you just please grow up? And how do you grow up? You clothe or cover yourself in Jesus Christ. Clothe or cover yourself in Jesus Christ. And that's only possible, guys, that's only possible if you know him in your heart as your Savior and Lord. There's no way you'll reach that highest rung on that ladder of motivation for obeying civil authorities if you don't have Christ, even for those of us who do have Christ in our heart. It's a challenge to do things you don't want to do. But because of Christ, we do them. Two observations here. Now, for the sake of Jesus, we need to obey. So having said that, if you're a young person here and you're in school and you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you should not be a pain in the neck to your parents. You shouldn't. If you're an employee here and you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you should not be a pain in the neck to your employer. You should be setting the example for everyone else. 
you should be obeying. That's why those men here who use our little blue cards and do our accountability questions, uh, question number, um, oh, which one is it? Number five, have you given 100% best in your job, life situation? Part of giving your 100% best is being obedient to civil authorities. And the second point I wanted to make here, and this one I struggled with whether I should put it in or not, it has to do with our own struggles here in the United States uh, as of late. And it's really sad, folks, when so-called Christians would have you believe that the Christian thing to do is to disobey the law and rebel against authority. That's not a Christian thing to do. If it's not in direct conflict with God's law, that is not a Christian thing to do. Here's a quote from Warren Wiersbe. He wrote it 14 years ago, but it reminded me of our nation recently. In our own, you don't have it on the screen. I'll read it here. In our own day, we have people who teach riot and rebellion in the name of Jesus Christ. This is sinful and wrong. Now, I don't want that to be the last image in your mind. Let's look at this last slide. Let's remember Jesus' example. He didn't fight the law, even though civil authorities were all about bringing him down. He submitted and he obeyed, except when it was in direct disobedience of his own word. He persevered until he was crucified. And then he rose again to become the ultimate authority. The authority that leads to eternal salvation. Amen? Jesus did that for you. You can do things you don't like when authorities tell you to do them. Do it to get out of trouble. Do it to do the right thing. Do it out of love. But most of all, do it because of devotion to Jesus Christ. One final note. One final note. Today is a special day. Today is Father's Day. Fathers, you have been given a special position of authority. In the book of Luke, it says, To whom much is given, much is required. Now, I don't want to ignore the, the elephant in the room. I know there's many of you who are here today and your man is not here for whatever the reasons are. And I, and I feel for you, or if they are here, they're here begrudgingly or disen, disengaged. And trust me, I know because I sat along the window wall over there for 10 years disengaged um, until God finally got a hold of me. Uh, ladies, persevere. Continue to be an example. Continue to listen to that authority and continue to count on God. For those who are here, men, you must be the spiritual head of your family. You have to be. You have to be. How do you do that? Well, first and foremost, you can't be if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. But if you do have that relationship, then there's some little simple steps you can do. Because if I say to you, be the spiritual head of your family, yikes, that sounds overwhelming. But if you just take some baby steps, such as having a daily quiet time, yeah, I can do that. This week I'm going to get three out of five days instead of one. Another baby step is to get an accountability partner. As Elder Dan told us last week, no one can do it alone. Men, you need to have another man who's checking on you. And we even have cards you can use. You need to be praying with your wife. And then finally, just get your family involved in church. Four kids, getting them in a the van, coming to church. I, I remember what that's like. 
And I know Sundays you think, you know, gosh, it'd be so easy to stay home and do this and that. Get that family together and get them here so kids can hear God's word. If you do that, dads, if you do that, granddads, you'll be obeying the ultimate authority. Amen? Thank you, folks. Um, think about the things you do. Think about the times where you've railed against whoever was in office or who wasn't in office. Think about whether or not you were honoring God with some of those conversations. And, and this covers everything, folks. We're talking speed limits to your interactions at work to the things you might borrow from the office to bring home. There's just a lot. This, this applies to all of us. And you need to ask yourself, am I obeying civil authorities out of my love and devotion to God?